0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Vision Twitter Spaces. SBF gets arrested now on, Oh, my God. What a day. It's hard to even know where to start. Just a quick recap here before we get going. Obviously, Sam Bankman-Fried arrested in the Bahamas last night. This morning, an indictment unsealed in the Southern District of New York. These are the criminal charges uh, that Sam Bankman-Fried Faces, I believe it's a total of eight felony counts, CFTC and SEC filing civil complaints uh, that were released today. Obviously, lots of allegations in there. Uh, And finally, congressional testimony up on the Hill in front of the House, specifically the House Financial Services Committee, talking all about this. Man, it's just been an incredible, incredible, uh, you know, call it 10 hours here on this story. Uh, it's great to be here with everybody. Looks like we've got uh, Simon Dixon up here on the stage. Hey, Simon, welcome!
1: Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. What a crazy always, day!
0: Always a pleasure to have you, man. Especially on a on a news flow date like today. It looks like we also got Tommy Thornton in the audience. Hey, Tommy, if you want to come up, uh, we'd love to have you join us as well. Um, you know, as folks are settling in, I see a lot of people are joining this conversation. As I scroll, it looks like there are uh, more people than I can see. Um, so. Simon, you know, it's one of those days I was joking about this on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. It's our live crypto show that runs every day uh, at noon Eastern time on Real Vision on YouTube. And I was like, someone asked me at the end, they were like, you know, what do you think about this? And I was like, well, it's almost like you're at a parade. And you're like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I think there were shots fired. And it was like, yeah, that was Archduke Ferdinand getting assassinated. And, you know, World War One and the whole world changes after that. It's really hard to get a sense of when you have a day like today, there's so many events, so much conversation that happens and they get an event like today Simon, how do you even begin to put it into context?
1: Yeah I think we've um, given new, new meaning to the phrase only in crypto um, and uh, you know the, the the yeah the amount of things that are happening right now we're really going through a purge in our industry um, as the whole yield industry unwinds. Um, the further and further it unwinds the more and more, um, fraud is being exposed. Um, and so what we have seen today is, um, the, the thing that upset me the most actually about today, uh, was the, the timing of the arrest. Um, you know, we had the congressional, um, hearing, whatever you call it today. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to not have, um, To not have SBF there when he was um, he he had agreed to be there virtually um, was was a bit upsetting I think um, but we can't win them all John Ray um, really gave us uh, some amazing insights and uh, yeah we just um, saw um, you know the the we saw um, yeah you know what what's really underneath the the FTX fraud. and, uh, yeah, we, we had uh, all of Congress uh, give their um, their, uh, their questioning. And, uh, and then we saw uh, everything else that's coming after. So we'll go through it all, I think.
0: Yeah, let me just highlight a few points, Simon. Mean, it's extremely well said and I think very well framed. You know, obviously, one of the cool things about these Twitter spaces is that we have a, a sort of wide array of people who join us. We've got, we've got experts, we've got newbies, we've got people who are following the story probably more closely than I am. Uh, but for just a little bit of background here... You know, some of the things that were discussed today in the testimony on the Hill and some of the things that came out in those documents, I just want to I just want to read through a few of these here. Uh, you know, effectively uh we talked uh, or we heard rather, I should say, about the commingling of funds. We heard about uh a two companies, uh um, Sam Bankman Fried's two companies, of course, FTX and uh Alameda Research, which effectively operated uh with a, a shared balance sheet, so to speak, you, you know, you've got something that's called an exchange, but it really operates like, well, like an exchange, like an investment bank, like a hedge fund, uh, like an unregistered swap dealer, maybe, uh, like a like a venture capital shop, like a custody agent. You you basically have everything smashed together in one, and you have these allegations of things like like wire fraud, uh, things like uh, things like conspiracy to commit fraud. You know, all of these entities, according to the allegations, basically capital flowing back and forth without uh, any real recourse, without any real tracking, without any real documentation. You know, to me, you mentioned John Ray, Simon, and I wanted to tee this one up for you, because I thought the most surprising, maybe even shocking revelation to come out of John Ray, uh, and we've heard all these allegations before. God knows we've we've heard them on these Twitter spaces, as many of the folks who are uh, listening to this conversation right now already know. But I was struck by the level, at least in, in John Ray's description of, of what, and this is my interpretation, my characterization of John Ray's description, of total and complete incompetence, of just a complete absence of management controls, a complete absence of corporate controls, a complete absence of accounting controls, a complete absence of operational controls that were in place. You know, To me, that that was probably the one thing that I heard today
1: that surprised me yeah i mean um one of the frustrating things about it is you you kept getting the same people asking the same questions because i think they kept popping in without seeing what the previous questions were and uh, i think they scripted their answers their questions in advance but um pure poor pure, pure john ray i mean i think he's going to be a legend into the future he's not he's not a crypto guy but uh he certainly um knows how to un- untangle a fraud and get um you know, in the four weeks that he's been involved in that, he has uncovered a incredible amount. Um, I was really, really impressed with the way that uh, the level of professionalism of how he was answering, um, you know, really just exposing what it is, but without any kind of drama. Um, a real professional. Um, he seems like he's totally uh, the right person for the job. And he's only been there for four weeks and understands an incredible amount. Um, about this business without even being um a crypto guy. Uh but I think what's quite um you know he's obviously there's, you know, obviously the, the practices were just insane. You know, deleting messages, um, you know, no segregation of client funds from, you know, co s- s- commingling of completely different companies in completely different um, operations and just a, a total lack of governance. Um, and all of that was just really unearthed until you end up with the situation. Um, but what I think was more interesting is just contrasting what John Ray said um, with everything that happened on Twitter spaces, because the, you know, the outrageous thing about this was that SPF just went on all these Twitter spaces and went on this um, PR mission and, um, and many of us were involved in those interviews where we were cornering him into admitting that funds were commingled. And he was very well rehearsed in terms of the exact story that he was saying that this was um, all an accident. But, um, you know, all of that led to what what seems to be an incredibly fast arrest. Um, and it's because of, like, we just couldn't get our head around why he is on this Twitter space, like answering these questions, which is so clearly against any um, legal advice or norm, given what this guy had been up to, um, and yet he was. And I think the, Simon, the real is something.
0: Yeah. let me ask you something about that. And I wanna to pull uh, Tom Thornton into the conversation in just a second. But you know, there were two theses I saw floating around out there about why Sam was doing the Twitter spaces, why he was uh, doing interviews with the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Good Morning America. One of them, was uh, that Sam Bankman-Fried was playing a kind of four-dimensional chess and that he had this elaborate strategy uh, that, you know, he was trying to uh, put forth a certain narrative or whatever that thesis was. And the second was, man, this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. And any competent white-collar criminal defense attorney would tell him, you know, you should be hiding out in your house. Do you have a take on that,
1: which way it falls in your head? Yeah, I've I've kind of flip-flopped between the two. Like it, it just feels, it just feels too outrageous and too crazy. And so I keep flip-flopping. Which one is it? Was there, you know, was this person like? Does he have a, a connection and um, a belief that he can that 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 this is the right type of behavior? Is it really just um, ego or or even a, a mental condition that makes him think that? um this is acceptable behavior was it just um you know he just wanted to control the narrative um another another theory is um you know if you admit guilt um but try and say you're sorry um you get a lesser sentence if he'd already accepted his his fate because obviously um his parents would would know what kind of trouble he's in given their background and legal background um, but I, I still don't fully uh, know know the answer as to why he did it. Um, and sometimes we try and attach like some. And this was really the SBF game. He 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 had us all believing that he was from this superior trader or superior intelligence. Um, and it seems like that played right out until the final days, until his arrest, where we're all second guessing ourselves, thinking. Is there like a strategy that he knows? Has he got connections? And um, is is all of this like some greater thing because he's more intelligent than us and knows that you? Uh, in the end, I just think it was just a really dumb move, and it was ego and and stupidity, and it's actually right. led to um, it's led to his arrest. Well, I've been team really dumb move from jump on this one. It just
0: never made any sense to me, and I think you know as we as we learn more. About the allegations as we learn more about the absence of operational controls uh it really just does seem like you know these were some very smart young people who just got way way over their skis and the stuff that they were doing and just did not understand what they were doing now that's a statement that is you know uh separate and distinct from the questions of of guilt and innocence that that are going to play out in a court of law uh but i just I just don't think that there's a grand genius four-dimensional chess plan here. Uh, But I want to pull in uh, Tom Thornton. Hey, Tom, great to see you.
2: Hey, Ash and everyone. Um, Well, I'm just sort of a casual observer of all this um, stuff that's going on, and it's incredibly shocking to me and just about everybody that's seen a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, I was pretty close around the Enron disaster and saw some of the others that fell apart and you know I, I think there's um i'm always looking at it like there's a cockroach theory that that happens and i'm, I'm trying to understand you know what's the next i mean the, I, I feel like well i feel like bitcoin and some of the other uh better crypto assets have traded uh more like they're waiting for another shoe to drop and so that's my question um you know, this was the guy that was supposedly the JP Morgan savior to all the crypto assets that were blowing up. And we now know that he just took client assets and levered himself up and bought other things and just tried to, you know, own the world and the assets didn't increase and uh, they decreased. And now you really see the mismanagement that they did. And I, I don't think it's necessarily just gross incompetence. I think that's, Um, that's wrong. I think they did a really good job at at hiding what they were doing for as many years as they did. um, As Warren Buffett says, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And um, I don't want to think of uh, Sam Bankman Freed uh, swimming naked, but uh, (laughs) nor does anybody. But certainly I'm just trying to, uh, my thoughts are, you know, I'm looking at, um, you know, a lot of different assets out there that are heavily levered. Uh, Silvergate, obviously, Coinbase, uh, let's look at MicroStrategy, you know, are there going to be others? And I'll, I'll leave it at this. We're, we're, the, we're the ones that are the most at risk. I mean, we, that's essentially what I'm trying to um, come up with, of, of figuring out uh, who's going to be at risk here. Well, I'm
0: going to flip that question over to Simon in just one second, but I want to ask you, Tommy, to take advantage of your decades of financial experience and having watched this and having been close to Enron. What do you think the similarities are there between FTX and Enron? How far does that metaphor extend? What are the similarities? What are the differences?
2: Well, you always see leverage is always at the top. Um, uh, Hubris is another one that's right there. Uh, People getting surprised and being uh, you know the investors getting surprised, uh, or another another thing that happens. Uh, you know this is a you know crypto is a very volatile asset, and it has a lot of bad actors still that uh, you know we'll never know who they are. And there's a lot of uh, there's no regulation in this, which others had regulation and regulators all around them. So this still to me, um, it, it's it's a very volatile asset class. And and truth be told, if all of a sudden in the next couple of years, we start to see real regulation come into the space. Uh, Then I think that uh, it could become a a truly, you know, remarkable asset class, but that's, you know, my, my view is that this is unprecedented hearing that they were, you know, running their books on uh, Slack and Quicken is really shocking. And uh, that, that to me is, is incredible. Um, The other thing is, there were no board. There was not a board of directors here, and uh, that—that's a red flag, in my opinion. You had nobody really mining the business, Um, and and even in the dot com bubble that burst, you you did have boards, you did have regulation, and that I think was a lesson that a lot of dot com companies uh, picked up and figured out how to bring in a board and have governance. There was none of that. So this is just off the charts more than I could ever imagine. Um, I mean, Madoff was bad. Uh, This one, I mean, I don't think he was even investing the money. I think he just was ponzing himself. But the bottom line is this is going to leave a real mark for the industry. And maybe it's the best thing in the world where you wash all the garbage out, but it's going to take a long time for the trust if there ever can be trust to come back into this market so yeah my my view is this is the worst i've ever seen and um so my view my my question is where are the you know who, who are the ones that are at risk i mean i mentioned a few um maybe you guys have uh, a better view or you obviously do you're crypto people
0: well, I got a couple of thoughts, but I want to flip it over to Simon. Uh, first of all, Simon, you just tweeted this, uh, and it's uh, it's attached to the top of the Twitter Spaces. This looks like uh, Sam Bankman-Fried leaving a court in handcuffs in the Bahamas, surrounded by a SWAT team
1: and tactical vehicles. It appears is this uh, is this legit, Simon? Uh, yeah, that's the video. It's just come out now. Uh, so that's uh, that's the footage of SBF getting arrested. So I just tweet pinned it to the top. Oh wow! Just this came out good. as we were speaking.
0: This is a surreal video for every, everyone to take a look. I just retweeted it at Ash Bennington. If you want to take a look, uh, it's also on the top of this uh, Twitter spaces, Simon over uh, to Tommy's point, uh, the next shoe to drop the next domino to fall. What are your thoughts? What are the interlinkages uh, and how significant is the contagion risk in the space right now?
1: Um, well, I mean, obviously the, uh, the, the big attention today has been around um, Binance. Um you know, Binance is getting a, a triple whammy right now. It's getting the, um, you know, they, they released an audit report and um, the auditor wouldn't get behind it. And so um, that's creating a bit of attention. Um, secondly, the whole uh, concept of stress testing. I do like these free market stress tests. We used to have a concept which um, every February we used to do proof of keys where everyone would take their money out of the exchanges um, and try and stress test it. Um, And Binance is getting their stress test today. We had the USDC um, issue because Binance recently, um, you know, changed it where they disintegrated with USDC or they integrated it, but put it behind BUSD. uh, And that caused a bit of an issue where they had to uh, swap them in and and caused a little bit of uh, fright. Um, But, you know, from what I can see so far, everyone's been processing their withdrawals Okay from Binance and last time I looked they had about 5 billion dollars of outflows which is um which is pretty that that's pretty high for Binance um so they're getting the stress test and then also obviously uh the connection with Binance and FTX Binance being the investor um and also the one that kind of first exposed the emperor um being naked and uh and um causing the run on the bank as it were um, but they're, they're fighting back with money laundering allegations and many of their investigations. Um, so, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll expect the, the U.S. government and agencies to use this opportunity to try and come after the, the non-U.S. businesses, um, really. So in terms of what's next, well, you know, we found out that our, our whole industry was built upon uh, the leverage side anyway, the fake yield. So, anyone, we still got companies out there that are offering like 10, you know, 10% yield, Um, whether it be a Nexo or a Crypto.com. You know, these companies are still offering such a yield. Now, the only reason that they didn't have the big run on the bank themselves is because they had products where they lock you in for a certain amount of time. Um, I do not comprehend or understand anybody. Uh, that is leaving their funds in yield in the in the current market um so those, well, were, so, those some were of happened. them
0: got some of them got gated for example over at uh over at Gemini when Genesis locked uh, its withdrawals and uh and redemptions they got they got gated they can't get to their capital now
1: yeah so Genesis and Gemini I expect I expect those to be the next two chapter 11s um you know that, that's just a question of whether dcg or Barry is actually going to do uh, write the check himself, or whether he can write the check, uh, whatever the situation is. There, I expect those to go through.
0: Uh, You've got sure to flush
1: out you. the whole yield.
0: I understood you correctly. Uh, you, you believe, in your view, uh, that Genesis and Gemini are the next two potential chapter elevens. Obviously, this is speculative about the future. I just want to make very sh- clear uh, that distinction. But is that your your belief?
1: Yeah, you, you don't come back from suspending withdrawals very much. That's never aged well in our industry. So once withdrawals are suspended, um, you know they, they, they are the collateral damage, I personally believe. Um, and so they, they tend to come out one month after that in, in, in Chapter 11. Uh, the reason for that is because um, we've seen it time and time again that the founders in disbelief tend to try and go round Um, trying to secure bailout funding. Uh, And bailout funding is never a good investment, uh, because you might as well just let the company go into Chapter 11, reorganize, and then buy the assets for for cheap. Um, So armed with the choice of funding a bailout, you only tend to get the existing creditors that you can go to because there's no source of external funding. Um, There's no good counterparties to borrow against your Bitcoin right now, because Everyone's scared of um, getting their funds locked up um, and, uh, um, and no one wants to sell their crypto down here as well. So all of the usual sources of funding in order to bail someone out just don't really exist. Um, so you end up in Chapter 11 after the operators desperately trying for about a month or so to find anything, um, anything that could lead to bailout funding.
0: Hey, listen, because that speaks directly to, to uh, Tom's question, uh, Simon. Maybe you could get a little bit into some of the context of what's happening uh, over at Genesis. It's. I'll just make a couple points here, and, and then I'll let you uh, elaborate on it and give the, the real backstory. But uh, Genesis is part of the DCG uh, operating group of companies. That's Digital Currency Group, as you, you mentioned earlier, uh, controlled or run by Barry Silbert. Uh, DCG also owns CoinDesk. Um, and in addition, they own uh, another shop uh, called Grayscale Investments, which controls GBTC. Uh, that is, I believe, the largest closed-end fund could, with uh, with any digital asset in the space right now. It's about $10 billion of assets under management. Uh, it's trading at about a 48% discount, so you can buy a dollar's worth of assets for 51 cents and change. Um, and... Uh, they own about 600,000 Bitcoin. Obviously, it's a considerable position. Moreover, some reporting out of the Financial Times suggesting two things. One, uh, that, uh, well, it's it's been documented, I believe, in the shareholder letter uh, that Genesis lent $2.4 billion to hedge fund three arrows capital. So in May, when you had the Terra Luna collapse, You had uh, three hours capital fall shortly thereafter. Genesis had a multi-billion dollar exposure, according to reporting from the Wall Street Journal. It was reported, I guess it was last weekend uh, or the weekend before last, by the Financial Times. There was a 900 million some odd dollar hole on the balance sheet over at uh, at Genesis. And there were interlinkages in terms of debt between DCG, Genesis, and uh, also had been lending DCG had also, the the holding company DCG had been lending to the portfolio company Grayscale. I know this is complicated. I think I got that all right. Uh, And then about 24 hours, maybe 48 hours later, CoinDesk, which is owned by DCG, ironically enough, uh, came out with another story and said no. That nine hundred million dollars only accounts for a single class of creditors. There are actually three classes of creditors. Uh, the second class of creditors owes an additional is owed an additional nine hundred million dollars, and the third class of creditors uh, is owed an unknown amount of money. So, if the reporting in CoinDesk is correct, that's a one point eight billion dollar gap. You know, similar to the number, close at least order of magnitude close to the two point four billion. billion that genesis lent over to three arrows capital i'm not sure if anything has been recovered around that this is a really complicated story it's really confusing there are a lot of details i hope i got them all right uh simon w- explain
1: that in a little bit more detail uh yeah well i think you gave um, really good detail but i think everyone uh, unfortunately twitter space doesn't allow you to draw a process map or a flow of funds map um but yeah you've got this um complex um you know re- uh, again you know I don't want to talk about FTX and DCG in, in kind of the same sentence because they're, they're incredibly, you know, they're in, very different things. Important point, um, very important point. But, but it's, um, you know, even if you do things in a, in a legal compliant and regulated way, um, you can still expose, um, you know, a company through these uh, these, these different types of loans and relationships. So, um, you know, when, when, a when the lending company um, had exposure to three hours capital, uh, that was refinanced by the parent company, Digital Currency Group. So they took on that whole. Um, and then they had the other types of, uh, uh, th- there's another part of that as well, which is that they allegedly borrowed um, a-, a bunch from their own lending company in order to acquire a lot of the Grayscale Trust shares. Um, which is now trading at approximately, I don't know what it is right now, maybe 45% discount, which is... It was um, it been,
0: 48 last I checked. 48. Which, at, at, which was, I believe, the the steepest discount that uh, GBTC has ever traded to net asset value. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, they're obviously in, a, in that's a massive paper hole, um, which if you can just ride it out, or you can find a way of unwinding the trust shares and replacing them with the underlying Bitcoin. Um, But Digital Currency Group is, in fact, um, I think the largest creditor to their own lending company um, and the largest holder of shares in Grayscale. um, And both of those trades haven't uh, worked out so well. Uh, So you've got these two big elephants in the room if you're looking at what are the final two you know, outcomes for what's our final capitulation point. Uh, We need to know what the future of Digital Currency Group is and what the future of Binance is. And I think, you know, those are the two big elephant in the rooms and everything else is kind of um, irrelevant. And then I think everything would be priced into, into the market.
0: Yeah, just a, a quick order of magnitude check on scale on these. I believe the number that I last read, and it's, it's probably reasonably close, you tell me if this is wrong, Simon, uh, that that Binance is roughly 20x the size of FTX uh, in terms of its daily trading volume and other metrics, uh, and that the numbers here that we're talking about, obviously $10 billion uh, on the uh, on GBTC alone in terms of assets under management. These are These are pretty considerable numbers.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, most of the again, I don't want to I don't want to confuse too many of these things like the, you know, the the lending company with money under leverage is very different to right. the right. the trust company where all the all the Bitcoin does actually exist in Coinbase custody. And I have no really no reason to, to doubt the fact that those coins are there. But, you know, Coinbase custody has um, two million about they, they released that they had about two over two million Bitcoins there um so yeah the, these uh these these numbers are that they're, they're big numbers but even if comparing it's hard to compare ftx to binance uh, because you know what was the extent of the size of the trading that was just simply a result of almeida and their own hedge fund uh, right. versus real customers we know that you know one thing we do know is that um that uh, you know, SBF appeared to have a, a, a grandiose vision of trying to be as uh, as big as Binance so as fast as possible, and just doing all these you know crazy things like sponsoring Super Bowls with client money and paying um, Hollywood actors and creating adverts and just uh, spending client money. Um, okay. And uh, you know, so then they tried to leverage their own money printing and token, the FTT token in order to just try and be, you know, I think the story of FTX is just trying to, trying to recreate the story of Binance and just do it as fast as possible. Um, and, and some, you know, just real grandioso vision of just trying to be t- too, too big and grow too fast and just miss all of the processes and governance and policies and right. uh, forget to have, um, you know, people that have been there and done that um, overseeing these operations. Well, Simon, I think I may have gotten
0: too clever by half there when I was trying to, you know, give those numbers because you're, you're absolutely right. It is certainly uh, comparing an apples to oranges uh, kind of thing, assets under management, debt, and uh, and uh, and assets that are in custody. I guess the point that I was trying to make, Simon, and, and you tell me if you disagree with this, is that these companies that we're talking about, Binance, uh, Genesis,
1: are very large operating concerns in this space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Binance... Um... Is, you know, is significantly higher in terms of the the volume and the, the number of people that are using those platforms. Um, and Genesis really was the, the the yield platform behind the other CFI yield platforms. Um, so right. you know, it was the it was the trusted institutional one where you could trust that there was enough governance policies procedures to build your own kind of CFI platform on top of that CFI platform um so it's it's very systemic uh, that but yeah we you know we we're, we're going to see in all of these chapter 11s so uh, i i still think there's a bunch of companies a bunch of funds that you know haven't haven't revealed but in all these chapter 11s you're going to find out who all the creditors are and right uh, once once you find out who the creditors are you you can we get this uh this crazy um new scenario where on twitter spaces you kind of reverse engineer everything in real time and then the traditional media try to catch up as they're learning uh, from all of the things that the, the community are unpacking in these live social media forums.
0: Well, that folks like you, uh, Simon, are uh, giving them access to in a way that they wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, talking of which, Tom, you've been hanging back listening to this. Uh, you know, obviously, Simon is a, a native of this space. You have a lot of experience, Tommy, in uh, the capital markets or as the folks in crypto call it, TradFi. Uh, as you listen to all of this coming out, as as Simon said, uh, knocking through all of these facts, unfolding these stories, what what are the thoughts that you have uh, listening to this, Tom?
2: Again, I just feel like there's you know there's a cockroach theory, um, and there's probably going to be more you know another shoe to drop, and I you know there's always been these comments about Binance and I don't follow it like you guys do, but it seems to me that that's probably a real risk out there and so I you know I'm not the best one I'm traditional finance so I, I think that that one you, you, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people continue to talk about it I know that there was uh, like you said there was uh, withdrawals uh, halted in some places uh, look I think it's just again if that happens, uh, you know, I've had a lot of, I, I mentioned that uh, there's uh, uh, collateral damage uh, for the crypto markets. And, you know, a lot of people have said, well, you, you just have to hold your your crypto or your Bitcoin or whatever uh, on a key or off, you know, an exchange and you can be okay. But I, I feel like there's so many people still on exchanges and that to me combined with probably still a lot of leverage out there um equates to you know more turmoil and, and trouble ahead and I, you know look i, I don't wish will uh, ill will upon anybody i hope everybody can navigate through this but it it's a new emerging type of asset and it's um it's something that uh i hope a lot of people learn from uh because the speculative juices were just flowing way way too too much uh a year ago. And again, you know, one thing I always talk about is to diversify uh, your assets. And that doesn't mean, you know, five different uh, coins, but it means uh, keep your sizing uh, pared down to something that uh, if something like, you know, a Luna happens, uh, you're not going to be, it's not going to upset the rest of your, you know, financial life and uh, really set you back too far. So I think the um, the things I hope people learned is, you know, the whole, whole whole BS or being, you know, completely, you know, long, all the crypto stuff uh, without really any regards to risk. Uh, I hope people learn from that's 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 basically it. Leverage hurts. And anyone that's levered um, mightily in this market, um, you know, it's it's ho- hopefully something people have learned from especially the people that are running these companies as well um, because obviously they were levered as well
0: you know tom i'm so glad you said that because those are ideas uh that really transcend uh crypto and transcend really investing more generally that's the framework that you need to think about in terms of risk management asset diversification um, suitability matching your needs to the uh, asset portfolio These, these are things that that uh, you know, any, anytime we get a chance to mention them are worth talking about uh, because we have seen so many stories that have ended in, in tears for people who had uh, excessive exposure, excessive concentration, uh, you know, not planning as they should have. All of these things are very important and they're, and they're things that we talk about on Real Vision and we've got uh, Real Vision Academy where we talk about uh, precisely these points. So if you wanna go check that out, realvision.com. Uh, but also you know, talk to a financial advisor, go to the library, get a book, uh, you know, we're not here to just, uh, sell real vision products. Uh, this is something that's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey for, uh, everyone, uh, to go on and it's something that's important, but if you are interested, we do have some, uh, some great analysis on this, on the real vision website, uh, Oh, see Jeet in the audience. Jeet, you want to come up and uh, say hello and join us. Um, looks like we've got about uh, 20, 25 minutes left here. So I also would like to open this up uh, to some questions. Uh, if anyone in the audience has some questions, uh, for Tom or for Simon, obviously, a uh, tremendous amount of uh, information here, tremendous amount of news flow on a day like today that we're all just trying to get our heads around. Uh, so if you'd like to come up and join us and ask a question, we'd be happy to have you. Uh, Michelle, if we could get the microphone out uh, to some folks here who'd like to join us. Simon, while we're waiting for some people, go, go ahead.
1: Yeah, go for it. Uh, I was going to bring up um, the, the, the other part of the conversation is... Um, what happens to all of the people that um, received money from Alameda and FTX or any of the groups? And so, you know, there's the whole conversation around, you know, unlawful investments and, you know, if someone ends up with a a billion dollars that was client money, uh, all of those unwinds and what what the effects of that are. And um, so, And and you've got multiple Chapter 11s, right? You've got to then try and sync up. So one of the things we experienced in the Celsius Chapter 11 is, you know, you had um, Core Scientific, which was the the mining company that went into distress halfway through, and then Celsius was an investor using client funds um, in that company, uh, and they were the provider of the hosting for the mining company Uh, which was the key to the recovery for the Celsius creditors. Um, And, uh, you know, and then they were all lending money to each other uh, and they were all investing in each other. So you're going to see like these chapter 11 on chapter 11 and um, what, what, you know, all these creditors versus creditors who, who who is, who was more entitled to it, which was the bigger fraud. Uh, You know, that that's going to be a a really interesting thing. And then you've also got the whole concept of clawbacks that, Right. The reality is, is if you're doing, if you're doing a bank run, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, people, people withdrew 100% of their funds and the ones that couldn't get their withdrawals uh, may end up with nothing. Uh, how do you, how do you fare, how do you square that one up and, and what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, that's,
0: those are questions that, that courts often take uh, years to decades to decide. I know that uh, Lehman, when did the Lehman uh, bankruptcy finally settle, Tom? That was... Uh, uh, to like two thousand twenty, I mean, it was it was decades.
2: Yeah, the one thing that happened. Um, my fund, we had uh, forty million dollars in a swaps trade a uh, basket that was just pretty basic. But um, that took several years for us to recover, and we did uh, because this is the other thing. Lehman, um, <laughs> there were assets there. Um, right. And we were able to recover, and others were able to recover. But God knows where or if there are any assets uh, left. I mean, there's some, but uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, the one thing, um, I don't know if, you've, if we haven't discussed it, but uh, Sam Bankman Fried had testimony that he wrote. And if it's online, if anybody really wants to just read this, it's delusional um i think the guy um again no attorney would ever allow their client or someone like this to ever discuss anything the most i've never in my i mean this is surreal that he was allowed to discuss anything he went on good morning america for god's sakes spaces and i'll say this too um Twitter spaces has been amazing for connecting a lot of people yes. and having the discussions that are full form. And yes. the, the people that did the interviews with Sam Bankman freed were absolutely outstanding. They asked relevant questions. They pressed him hard. And I I think that that's, um, that's something that I really respect with what those people did with spaces. So, and this too i think it's good that people are discussing it um, and having um you know real vision um discussing it uh because i think it only will help people uh to have more education about when things go bad yeah extremely extremely well said tom and and with
0: that let's open it up to questions And and i would say please if we could just keep the questions short uh directed to uh tom and uh, Simon, so we can get as many people here uh, as we can in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Looks like Alex, you're up on the stage and you're a speaker. Go ahead and ask your question, please, for Tom and Simon.
2: Thank you so much, Ash, and and thank you guys for hosting this uh, uh, space. My question was, you know, something that you said, Tommy, that kind of like stuck with me, Uh, basically the impact of this FTX blow up will have, on the crypto industry and how it's uh, as bad as you've ever seen it, and you've been part of the, you know, the the traditional industry, uh, finance industry for for quite a while now. And I'm trying to reconcile that with some news headlines that are coming out, uh, such as just last week I, I saw something like Goldman Sachs maybe looking to pick up crypto venture bargains. Mm. And I was just curious what your guys' have thought the thoughts of news like that are and what that that might mean uh, for the industry. Like, how do you interpret uh, that situation? Thank you. Alex,
0: that is a fantastic question. I know you've been in so many of these Twitter spaces. Thank you so much for asking it. Wonderful question. You want to go around the horn with that one? Uh, Tom, anything uh, anything to add? How do you interpret it? I'm sure Simon has a view. I have a view on this one.
2: Well, again, if, uh, you know, the legacy banks are starting to look at some of these assets, uh, that's growth in the industry, in the sense that uh, I mean, and growth uh, sometimes comes at a painful price. Uh, so, look, if they come into the industry, they're going to certainly demand regulation, uh, transparency, and they'll do it a lot different, obviously. And so, that could be a potential good long-term uh, development. So, I, I I think that's 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 the only way anyone can look at it. Great point. So basically
1: watch what they're doing ultimately and how how they're acting or what they're investing in specifically.
2: Yeah, they're going to, I mean, look, Goldman Sachs um, and a lot of banks are pretty good at picking up distressed assets and figuring out ways of turning those around. And, you know, that I think, again, it's It could be a real good long-term potential uh, for the asset class. But again, they're not going to be doing anything until true regulation happens. And it's going to take they don't look at it as a six month type turnaround story. They're looking at it as a longer term uh, position and they are looking long game, not, not short game.
0: I'm going to actually give you my answer on this one, Alex, and then pull in Simon, because it's interesting. Um, You know, as anybody who's watched uh, Tom uh, on Real Vision, he's one of the sharpest traders in the space, incredibly insightful. And I agree with everything you just said, Tom. Um, But I'll provide a different view while saying that I think everything that you just said is completely true. Uh, You know, the way Goldman Sachs looks at distressed assets, they look for opportunities where they can buy into something below what they project to be the fundamental price over a longer time horizon. Um, and I think that you're certainly correct, uh, Tom, that we're going to see more regulation. Gosh, anybody who watched uh, the, what was happening in the House Banking Committee today knows that more regulation is coming. But I'll also give a, a different perspective. Uh, um, well, I think everything that, you know, I agree with Tom on all of that. I'll give you a slightly longer term can, can, uh, uh, framework on this, uh, which is that, you know, when I think of this as a, as a fundamental technology. And, you know, this to me is a revolution that is as large as the internet. And we're at the very beginning of this extraordinary revolution right now. Uh, and, and what we saw in, in FTX and in Sam Bankman Fried's the way that he operated this company, these companies, the behavior, I would say in many ways, uh, it is the antithesis of everything that people who really love this technology care most about. These were highly centralized corporate entities. I mean, if you go back and you listen to the thing, I believe John Ray called it good old fashioned embezzlement. Uh, You know, these the things, the kind of conduct, again, again, this has not been uh, yet obviously innocent until proven guilty. It has not yet been proven in a court of law. But we have to say that the kinds of conduct that are being alleged, alleged, are the types of conduct that you could have seen in the 1907 bankers panic, commingling funds, uh, you know, an absence of corporate controls, loans being taken by individuals uh, from a company. You know, this is like nothing new under the sun. I had the guys on from Framework Ventures on, on my Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing show. And one of them, I think it was Vance, said, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, that he could have, that 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 a person could have done while owning a chain of laundromats. And I think that's that's absolutely true. And the the future of this space, and I think that the thing that matters most, we're going to get some regulation around this, probably some for better and probably some for worse. But the future of this space is trustlessness. It is true on-chain transparency uh, in a decentralized way with decentralized trust where we don't have to be reliant on, you know, the next Sam Bankman-Fried to be a, a good guy or gal running the company. And we don't have to be reliant on, you know, the House Banking Committee selecting the creating the right legislation to make sure that this is going to work. The the goal, the dream that many of us who are so passionate about this pace care so much about, and it's so rewarding to see so many people clapping and giving hearts as we say this, is a trustless environment. It's one of the things that you know that that I was interested in when I first really understood what Bitcoin was about. It was something that I got curious about uh, in terms of the in terms of the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, but that's the dream here. That's really where this is going. That's not something that's going to take, uh, you know, as, as Tom said, six months. That's probably not something that's going to take six years. But as we move toward this, that's really the goal of this ecosystem. That's the thing that makes it so exciting. And I think that's the thing that so many people are passionate about. Uh, but I'd love to hear Simon uh, and what he'd, uh, what he'd like to add to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's a real danger. And I saw it in Congress, just play, um, adding to what you just said. Um, of this has always been I, I remember when uh, Mount Gox went down um, immediately Mark Capellas blamed the 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 fall of the exchange on a on a bug in Bitcoin saying it was transaction malleability and that that's what led to them losing six hundred thousand Bitcoin um, and then the community uh, fought against it and they realized no this is a this is a centralization problem not a decentralization problem and in fact um, Bitcoin. Isn't broken. Uh, Bitcoin still works, and what did survive was many uh, many of these DeFi contracts. Um, so they, they 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 worked exactly how they were designed throughout this whole process. Um, so that's that's fascinating. But to answer the question, um, TradFi, I don't expect too much TradFi um, bidding up these assets on the cheap. Um, we've seen this in a lot of these uh, Chapter Eleven that uh, we, we're involved. We're, we're pretty aggressively involved at Bank to the Future in. Uh, trying to ensure that the assets go to creditors and not to predatory bids. Um, and so at the moment, there's, there tends to be like assets that, that that were purchased and we're trying to make it where all of the shares go to creditors uh, because at the end of the day, it was creditors money that was used um, as opposed to selling, you know, two years before the harding cycle going into Christmas um, uh, historically after a regulatory crackdown when the market is... Is most distressed and there's no liquidity. Um, so there's a real battle to ensure that uh, those assets are, are not being sold at the moment. Um, personally, I think TradFi would rather rebuild from scratch rather than accumulate. Um, and I think they'd rather sell these assets into their existing client base rather than try and pick ups. I, I can't imagine some of you know, the same people that would have used some of these services also using Goldman Sachs. Um, it's just a different culture, different background. So I'm not sure if there's there's real value there, but we'll see uh, what comes from that. Um, but uh, I don't see more regulations. I see enforcement of existing regulations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think if you're going to rehypothecate cryptocurrency, then get a banking license. If you're going to custody and do trading, then go get money transmitter licenses. If you're going to put together a collective investment scheme, um, and offer people yield, then go get a securities license um, and or set up as a fund. Um, if you're going to, you know, um, offer lending services, then use the existing uh, lending regimes. And I'm kind of, as much as I hate to say it, I'm really on Gary Ginsler's, um kind of wavelength there that actually all these regulations already existed but uh, the industry just decided not to do it because there's no way you can, you know, combine a hedge fund um, with a custody service and use the coins in custody in order to make risky bets. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. no way that with Celsius or or a BlockFi that you can offer people yield and then rely upon the management of uh, you know essentially a fund manager to diversify and manage those risks without disclosing what those risks were and ensuring that they're suitable. Suitable. So I, I think the I think it all exists and people just get a bit confused because you know the underlying asset that that's a debate you know whether whether something's a security or not that will continue to be debated and that one needs to be resolved but the financial products built on top of um you know these cryptocurrencies they've already got regulatory regimes and i don't think they need to change
0: yeah And an important point about Bitcoin, as Bitcoiners have said uh, throughout this, here we are on December 13, 2022, and Bitcoin is still doing the same thing that Bitcoin did in January of uh, 2009, uh, which is securing the chain through proof of work uh, and doing it precisely uh, as uh, it had been done. Obviously, there have been upgrades to Bitcoin Core uh, along the way. uh, But the point of the matter is that that functionality remains and continues unimpaired uh, while these sort of uh, centralized Companies fall apart, file for bankruptcy. Uh, important to say that. Um, so I actually have to run here in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to give uh, each of you a chance to just give some final thoughts. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Obviously, a lot of experience here. What do you see as you as you come to the end of this conversation? Uh, what would you like to leave people with in terms
2: of final thoughts and key takeaways? Well, I, I think that... Um... I think everyone needs to just, you know, learn from this type of action and know that uh, this is an asset class that is incredibly new and volatile and has, you know, trapdoors. doors. And I think that, uh, again, diversify, use your sense as far as risk management. Uh, manage it, you know, to stay in the game and not necessarily to, you know, hit home runs. Uh, there will be home runs out there, but uh, sometimes they come from unexpected, uh, places and, um, time in the market. So I think that, um, look, I think it's just a tragic, uh, into what's happened with, uh, FTX. Um, you know, I don't feel bad for the guy. I, th- I don't feel bad for anybody that, uh, is involved in that company. They knew exactly what they were doing. Um, but look, just learn from, um, learn from this, um, I'll keep your wits about you. And, uh, uh, don't be afraid to uh, you know pull out and uh, uh, go to cash, real cash. Uh, that's that's generally it. It's just a fluid situation and interesting to watch. Uh, and I have no stake in this at all. Uh, and I feel sorry for people that have been hurt by it. Yeah. Uh, truly. So that's it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we all feel bad for the depositors, people who had uh, assets in custody uh, with uh, with FTX and. And I'm sure also the rank-and-file employees, the guys and gals who worked in the call centers who had nothing to do with this, who just woke up one day uh, to find out that they didn't have a job anymore. Not a fun experience, uh, as anyone who's been through it knows. Simon, uh, final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave this group with?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with what uh, Tom said. Um, you know, in, in our industry, we actually need to just look at the the good old money management. Uh, The good old wealth management, the good old diversification, not risking all your eggs in one basket um, and and just learning uh, from that because those that did that didn't didn't get full exposure. Um, One exception, I I don't tend to default back to cash. I tend to default back to um, hard money, which in my perspective is Bitcoin. So um, good old Bitcoin on a private key. I think a lot, a lot of people are going to be defaulting back to that as a as a result of this. Um, and I think one final observation, which I I I, I saw, you know, I, I hate to use the word revolution, but I saw something that really felt, um, you know, I hate I hate that word, but um, but felt really, really game changing. And that was the fact that everything we saw today in Congress. Um, it felt like anecdotes of what they had learned from our Twitter spaces. Um, and so I think we found ourselves in an environment where the real hard investigative work was done in real time on Twitter spaces with just some random account on Twitter, you know, going through the on-chain um, data, figuring out where Man. these transactions are, and then reporting it in real time Um, through twitter spaces with all of the traditional media sat there trying to figure out when they're going to get the recording so that they can write um, the article and then as a result of that you know it kind of went through it went on social then it went to traditional media uh, and then the law enforcement came in and and they built the case they they arrested him and i think they arrested him based upon that flow and that was almost like it, it flipped it flipped the whole the world on its head um, and reversed it as a result of this confluence between de- decentralized finance, centralized company and this whole um, c- civilian journalism or, you know, and it, and it happened to just coincide with the whole Twitter files and and, and, and all that. Right. So it was, it's been a really interesting time. Yeah, it sure has. And listen, Tom, Simon,
0: it's a pleasure to be out here on the Bleeding Edge with you. Uh, you guys are both terrific guests. Always a pleasure to hear your insights for this. And really a pleasure to be with all of you who joined us here today. Uh, we had almost a thousand people, I think, at peak in this conversation and very much appreciate you listening to us. Kemi, Zeke, I didn't forget about you. I promise we're going to get you on the next three spaces. Please uh, put your hands up. Unfortunately, uh, I just have to run out the door now, uh, but we're going to do this one again real soon. It was really a pleasure. Thank you, everyone. I should say just before we leave here, uh, if you're interested in continuing to follow this story, Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Uh, I host that show about four days a week. We do it five days a week on on Real Vision. Uh, you can catch it on YouTube uh, streaming. You can catch it on the Real Vision platform. On YouTube, obviously, it's 100% free. Uh, come check it out. Listen to it. Hopefully, you'll find something you like. We'd really appreciate it if you came and joined us there. Uh, if not, we'll see you again at the next Twitter Spaces. Thank you again. Thank you, Alex, for your terrific question. Thank you, everyone else, for listening. Thank you again, Simon. Thank you, Tom. We'll do this again soon. Have a great night, everybody.